We don't just say, what do I want to do? What are my goals? What are my ambitions? What are my desires? What will make me happy? We're, we're delivered from that kind of life. We are led by His Spirit. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus said, and I know them, and they follow me. The Christian gets up in the morning, and he knows there's more to life than merely playing it out for his own pleasure. He knows that he belongs to another, and he is led by his Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that uh, this is something mysterious or, or mystical, but I am saying it's very real. When you're born again, immediately there's a change within you. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings the final part of the message titled, Life in the Spirit. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Let's turn in our Bible to Romans 8. And nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. No one can separate you from the love of God. Not heaven, not earth, not angels, not principalities, not life, not death, nor any other created thing, he says. And that's how the chapter closes. And in between, there's nothing but victory and riches and wealth. And, you know, it's a chapter of the Spirit. Uh, you see the Holy Spirit repeatedly. Seventeen times He's referred to specifically, and His ministry is unfolded for us. So I want us to just uh, take a look this morning. Let me just uh, review very briefly. We've seen we have a new position in Christ. We have new life in the Spirit. We have a new obligation, verse 12. So then, brethren, we're under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And uh, we saw last time in kind of trying to summarize the first 13 verses that from the positive standpoint, walking in the Spirit, living according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh, uh, even being led by the Spirit, he's going to in introduce that concept in verse 14. Uh, the mind is crucial. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And uh, to walk in the Spirit is to fill your mind with the things of the Spirit. The Spirit gave us this Word. He inspired it. And now He illumines it. He takes it as we open it up and we find riches in it. He teaches us His truth. And he guides us and directs us and leads us. And on the negative side, in verse 13, he said, put to death the deeds of the body. So if you think of uh, walking in the Spirit and life in the Spirit, you can simplify it if you want to, to take these first 13 verses and say, listen, fill your mind with truth and make no compromise with sin. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. That's how... He says it over in chapter 13. I think it's verse 12 or 14 right at the end of the chapter. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Don't cut any slack. Kill it. Put to death the deeds of the body. Don't compromise with anything in your life that would bring scandal or re, re, uh, you know, bring any kind of dishonor to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
The Holy Spirit is central to this. This will be done not in our own strength, but in His strength. So don't you try to live the Christian life in your own strength. That'll lead to the treadmill experience of chapter 7. Uh, and uh, that's not where you'll find the power to just kind of gut it out, but rather to remember that He dwells within you. Look at verse uh, 10. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Holy Spirit who indwells you. The Holy Spirit lives within you. The same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead is one day going to raise us. And actually, not only did He give us spiritual life at, at salvation, but when He brings our salvation to completion that day when He returns and our bodies are changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we're told here that the Spirit will be the energizer of that physical life. He is the author of life, both physical and spiritual life. And that power resides within us right now. And uh, that's where I want to pick it up at verse 14. And look at His ministry, the Holy Spirit's ministry, in relationship to our sonship. We are children of God. We're born ones. And he bears witness to that great truth. And there's so much here, uh, you just need to just read it and just kind of soak in it, you might say, bask in it. But let's read it. All who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We have a new way of life now, and it is to be led. Look at verse 14. We are led by His Spirit. We're not led around by our desires, our lusts, our goals, our ambitions. That's the way the natural man lives. We are led by His Holy Spirit. Now, this is the first mention in Romans of our sonship. All who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. We're His children. Behold, how great a love the fathers bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. And such we are, the Scripture says. We really are. We're not just saying that. We really are. And when we get up in the morning, we don't just say, what do I want to do? What are my goals? What are my ambitions? What are my desires? What will make me happy? We're, we're delivered from that kind of life that is constantly looking to fill 24 hours with happiness or whatever. We are led by His Spirit my sheep hear my voice, Jesus said, and I know them, and they follow me. The Christian gets up in the morning, and he knows there's more to life than merely playing it out for his own pleasure. He knows that he belongs to another, and he is led by his Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that uh, this is something mysterious or, or mystical, but I am saying it's very real. 
When you're born again, immediately there's a change within you. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature, and he has a new lifestyle, a new way of life. He is led by the Holy Spirit, and the Christian instinctively knows this. You say, how? Well, God wrote this book, and we'll see, and you'll see it in every point here in verse 14, 15, and 16. He initiates this at, at point of birth. You read this book, uh, someone read it to you, you saw a portion of this scripture, or just the truth behind the scripture was brought to your mind by the Holy Spirit, brought to your heart, and you believed and you were born again. And you know now the voice of God. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow my voice. Jesus could have said, they follow me. They hear my voice, and they begin to follow the shepherd. And so the Christian is one who is led by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit who wrote the book uh, illumines it for us and leads us through life. And we look for, and I don't mean... Uh, even consciously sometimes, we look for guidance as Christians. We seek to know the will of God. Now, in saying this, let me say this is true of every Christian, but it is enjoyed and experienced as we cultivate it. It's true of every believer. I mean, who are the sons of God? Verse 14. They're those who are being led by the Spirit. But in each case, and we'll see this as to uh, our access and as to our assurance in verse 15 and 16, the same thing, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see the same dynamic. It's true of every Christian, but those Christians who walk with him and cultivate that walk and set their mind on things above and put to death the deeds of the body will experience it and enjoy it all the more. So you want to be led by God's Holy Spirit. You're a Christian. <laughs> Let me encourage you to cultivate time with him. Set your mind, fill your mind with his word, and he will lead and guide you through life. And uh, it is a beautiful privilege of every Christian. So our life is done with new perspective. Now, don't misunderstand me on that, and it's common to have this concept misunderstood. You'll still get up in the morning, you'll still turn the alarm off, or you'll still hit the slumber button, you know. You'll still cook. You'll still change diapers. You'll still wait in line to get on the freeway. You'll still uh, make the phone calls if you're going to make the sales. You'll, life goes on, but you don't just do these things at the horizontal, natural, earthly level. You do these things dependent upon Him, and you do these things conscious that He is inside you and that every contact with another person is an opportunity, potentially even some of these contacts will be actual evangelistic opportunities. Uh, some will be simply opportunities to model the Christian perspective in life or the Christian response to the other person. Every circumstance, every task can be done to the glory of God. And Christians are those who are led by the Spirit. And their life outwardly may look kind of similar in the sense that they're still sitting in line at the grocery store or whatever, but there's a new dynamic there. They are led by the Spirit. And then, verse 15, there's new access. For you've not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. 
Isn't that something to think about? I think one of the most uh, shocking truths that the Bible teaches is that God Almighty, the Most High, the one before whom the whole universe trembles, that we can come right into His presence and say, Abba, Father. Papa. That's the Aramaic behind this, or Daddy, Dad. Whatever term you'd use that's just warm and intimate with your earthly father. Why think in terms of your heavenly father? You know, I was thinking about it. Uh, we've got five children, and you love, don't you, parents? You love, you love it when that little toddler starts to talk. And uh, when they first say, Dada, you know, hey, wait a minute, that'll be sir to you. <laughs> ah, you don't do that, <laughs> you know. Maybe later you do that. <laughs> but uh, no, you know, the first time they sort of gurgle something that sounds anywhere near it, you say, hey, did you hear that? He said, Dad, you know. And uh, they always say Mom first anyway, don't they? But, but the point is you love to be addressed that way. And a healthy relationship continues to grow. And you want them to have that act. If we, who are sinful can really see that clearly. And Jesus used this kind of illustration regularly in the New Testament, you know, and, and uh, he said, everything we learn that's healthy about family, you can, you know, look up and see that, that we're in his family. And every family down here derives its name from that family. And anything good about family down here, and there's much good about family down here, it all is just a dim reflection of what we have as children of God in his family. We can say, Abba, Father. We don't have to wait in line and say, Your Honor, Sir, can I talk to you? Now, you know, a, a, a healthy child does respect his dad and doesn't just say, Daddy-o, when uh, things are, are not right, let's say. And there's a healthy reverence for, you know, honor your father and your mother. But just the same, there's that intimacy that you can have with your father. And that's what he says the Holy Spirit teaches us. As soon as we come to Christ... I've never forgotten a fellow that I had the privilege of pointing toward Christ. Tough guy. And we sat and talked, and I didn't think he was going to come to Christ. In fact, I didn't think he was going to listen to me. But he, uh, he softened as we talked. And we were sitting there at a table, and there, it was a public setting. And uh, he softened significantly and began to really hear the gospel of Christ. And I said... Uh, why don't we go somewhere? And so we went to a room away from other people. And I said, you know, I sense that you are ready to receive Christ. And he said, yeah, I am. His whole demeanor had changed, you know. And I said, well, you know, uh, you can receive Christ as a gift. And uh, you can simply pray and ask, uh, you know, saved by prayer, but normally when we receive a gift, why we say, thank you, you received Christ by faith. I don't remember all that I shared with him, but I asked him to pray, and he kind of looked at me like he'd never prayed. And he said, I don't know how to pray. I said, well, I think you do. Kind of looked at me again. We bowed, and I wondered if he was going to say anything. And there was a long pause, and then he said, God, I'm a sinner. 
and I'd like to be forgiven. And I don't remember the words he said after that, but he prayed, he prayed a prayer of a heart that wanted Jesus Christ. And uh, when he was done, I prayed, shared a little bit with him, showed him some scripture. I remember turning to John 1.12, and I remember showing him that as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to become a child of God. And you're born not of the flesh, but of God. And I said, you've just been born into God's family. And I was, a few years ago, I said, that makes us brothers. And I shook his hand. And uh, he was... You know, as we left, I remember his tough demeanor came back a little bit. I mean, he, he, that was him, you know. And as we walked out of there, we made an appointment to meet the next week, the same place. And we met in that little room a week later, went over some scripture with him, shared some thoughts. And I said, why don't we, in light of this, why don't we pray? And he looked at me like, here's that guy asking me to pray again, you know. But uh, he bowed his head, and there was a pause, and he said, Father. And I've never forgotten that. I didn't coach him. A week ago, he said, God, I'm a sinner. A week later, he said, Father. And I don't remember what he prayed. It was still baby talk. I mean, you know, you lead someone to Christ, don't expect them to pray the Lord's Prayer or have eloquence. But I'll tell you what, that early vocabulary is eloquent to God. The Spirit himself guides us to say, Abba, Father. We don't have a spirit of fear leading to slavery again. The non-Christian really doesn't understand this. The non-Christian, when he, when he cranks up a casual attitude, you know, he can kind of in macho-ness say, oh, the man upstairs will understand or whatever. But when you come to know him, you have intimacy with him. Most of the non-Christian world, really, when they think of him, there's a spirit of fear and it leads to slavery again. And they overcome it maybe by acting as if, well, God will accept me or whatever. But And there might be a casualness at large in our culture today because we have such a low view of God. But the higher the view of God, the more you know about God. And as you come to realize who God really is, He's God Almighty, and yet we Christians say, Abba, Father? We talk to him all the time. We talk to him while we're driving. We talk to him in the shower. We talk to him. We have that kind of access. This is from the Holy Spirit. And as I say, it's true of every Christian. The moment you put your faith in Christ, this is yours. But you'll enjoy it as you cultivate it. Pray. Pray without ceasing, Jesus said. Pray about everything. At all times pray. And don't lose heart. And as you cultivate that, it becomes more and more a part of your lifestyle and you enjoy it all the more. Fill your mind with God's character. Nothing will so enhance your prayer life as filling your mind, setting your mind on the things that you're thinking about who He is. Oh, it'll change the way you pray. And you'll say, Abba, Father, with new insight when you realize you're talking to the one who spoke and it stood fast spoke the world into existence, who controls the surf, who keeps all the planets in perfect orbit, who controls all the hundreds of billions of galaxies. It's amazing to think that that one is the one that you can say, Abba, Father, to. Oh, we need to enjoy the access we have with the Father. Do you? Do you enjoy that access? Do you have that access? 
Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Oh, if you haven't, let me encourage you. You don't have to ever understand everything. No one does. You need to come to Him as a broken sinner and say, Father, forgive me. And He will. In the name of Jesus Christ, He'll cleanse you and He'll create in you a new heart and a new life. And you can have the kind of access we're talking about here. And if you have that access, use it. Oh, don't let a day go by, but what you don't enjoy, the intimacy you have with God. Uh, you and I, we are privileged beyond belief when you think about it, that we can say these things to God Almighty. Behold, how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. And such we are. Don't get over it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Now, as I said, we, uh, we didn't begin to finish it. There's a lot here. And I want to look further at this next time, but uh, we are not only born into his family, we're adopted. And we'll talk about that because you might say, what's the deal? I thought he said born, now adopted. That just adds to the richness, let me tell you. And we'll take a second look at this access and the assurance that the Holy Spirit creates in our hearts next time. But uh, let me encourage you Christians, set your mind on these things. Fill your mind with the truth of God. Put to death the deeds of the body. Don't make any compromise with the flesh. Uh, realize that you will not enjoy this access as a sinning child of God. No, you won't at all. In fact, it will, you'll lose. And if you've lost any heart, if you, if you say, you know, I can't think of the last time I really enjoyed that. It could be that you've allowed sin to come into your life and you've allowed the, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to be short-circuited. And I would encourage you, go read first and second chapters of First John. And he says, listen, if, if we say we haven't sinned, if we just kind of stubbornly go our own way and we live not led by the Spirit, but led by our own desires and our own goals and our own ambitions, listen, that's the way the, the natural man lives. Don't you live that way? But if you do, uh, you, you're not going to hear from God. You're not going to have this intimacy that we're speaking of. The Holy Spirit will be grieved. He won't be leading you. He's not going to lead you in that kind of a lifestyle. Confess that to him. Don't say, oh, it's not. Confess it. He'll cleanse you, forgive you. And, you know, he goes on and he says, uh, little children, he says, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if you do sin, we've got an advocate with the Father. Even when we come to the point where we admit of sin, the first thing He does is forgive us. And the first thing we experience is realizing that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, the one who died for our sin, is seated at the right hand praying for us, and His Holy Spirit is within our heart interceding for us. We're going to see later in this chapter. Turn back to Him and enjoy intimacy with your Heavenly Father. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Life in the Spirit, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. 
We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the Ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. Downtown Bible only remains on the air through the generous contributions of listeners like you. We'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with us on a regular basis to help us meet our day-to-day expenses. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, salvation is of God. So is assurance. All aspects of it. And so objectively, it's based on the foundation is the fact that Jesus Christ redeemed me and said, It is finished. But I know I'm a child of God. My assurance, it comes home to my heart, the subjective side of it, as the Holy Spirit works in my life. You see, He is the great teacher. He is the great comforter. And don't separate those. Uh, God doesn't. God's Spirit is called the teacher, the comforter, the helper. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Assurance from the Spirit. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.